0: Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Master the NEC, where we talk about the National Electrical Code and all things electrically related. My name is Paul Abernathy, your host, and I want to welcome you to today's podcast. So you've all heard it. You've seen the pictures. You've seen all of us, you know, doing our little our little selfies about the uh, 2020 code dropping so as you know the 2020 National Electrical Code is now out Uh, it's been out for a couple weeks I guess on the NFPA's website if you're a member uh, which incidentally is free membership uh, you can get an account you could look at the online version still can do that And we have a video on that up on our YouTube channel just go to youtube.com forward slash master the NEC and shows you kind of how to get there Um, you do have to get a free account which is good, keeps you up to date on all things NFPA, so they can send you emails and, and things like that. Uh, but it does give you access to that, and we are we do encourage you to go on and get a membership and help support the NFPA and the efforts that we have uh, in making a, a, a better NEC, but of course, that supports all the documents that they produce. Um, so today's episode, we want to look at some changes uh, to the 2020. Uh, again, we're doing a code change series that's in our our newsletter, uh, again, it's not an earth-shattering newsletter. It just talks about some of the more significant. Obviously, we can't cover them all, but we talk about some of the significance, and I'll give you some of my take on them, uh, but many of them, uh, to this point, has not needed a lot of graphics. It's just basically definition changes as we move now into uh, other articles, um, but from time to time, it's good to jump back and see what changed, what's, what's kind of... What's new? If you're just getting ready to dip your toe into the 2020, you still might be on the 14. I just did a a seminar or class, uh, an eight-hour class. I guess it was eight hours, six hours, up in Oklahoma a couple days ago um, to a bunch of electricians and inspectors for continuing education. And, you know, Oklahoma's still on the 2014. We look for them to come to the 17 soon. Uh, Beautiful thing about Texas is Texas should adopt the 2020 pretty quickly. Um, in Texas, although again, states, I mean, not states, but, uh, local jurisdictions have to up their game and adopt it because the state is the law, but they allow jurisdictions to, to, to use their own cycle, whatever one might be 17 or four, whatever. Uh, but I can promise you if something happens and you get bought in front of the state, they're going to be on whatever the state's on is what you're going to be charged with. So just kind of those things always try to do it above and beyond, um, and you never know what'll happen. So anyway, as the 2020 starts rolling out, everybody's starting to grab their copies. It is the first edition, so don't expect everything to be perfect. Uh, first impressions of it, we're always excited to get a new code book because to us that serve on the code panels, it's a culmination of you know two and a half years of, of meetings and you know and getting together and, and, and look, listening to the changes. And of course, we sit so focused on the panels that we're on. And I serve on two, five, and seventeen. That we're not always up on what the other panels are doing, and even if we send information to them in order to make changes in their code panel, um, you just never know if it all ultimately gets done. Uh, unless you're doing like us, uh, me and Phil, have been working on some books, so we've, we've kind of had to rely on our knowledge of things that were changing. And now, what we do in the in the 2020, now that the code book is out, we can go through and make sure we caught all those those significant changes that needed to. To take place, um, because you know you make changes and you really are doing things, and you you really don't know yet whether or not it's solidified until after the NIPMAMS and then the NFPA committees and do their final votes and everything's done, and of course, really before it finally publishes and you get to see it. So it's out. I encourage you to get your your copy. But um, today, we want to kind of go over a little bit about uh, Article Two Thirty and look at some of the changes that took place some maybe even the subtle changes but we'll, we'll look at uh, you know broadly and see if we can see what really has changed uh, in the from the 2017 code to the 2020 code and I'll give you kind of a, a summary update on things that you got to be aware of remember you're not gonna memorize these things okay you're just gonna know that they're there now the unique thing about the NEC is it starts to move and now one of the things it's done is at the bottom of every page, it actually gives you the nomenclature for different symbols that are on the page. Good move. Uh, I don't know that I like the watermark that's in the middle of every page because sometimes it, it makes it look like some it's part of the grayed out text, although the grayed out is a change. It's supposed to be a little darker than that. Um, you know, I'm not a here nor there on it. Um, but, at the, you know, at the end of the day, uh, it's just, it is what it is. But um, I don't have any problem with it. Looking at it because once you look good enough, you can distinguish it. But that's just a change, Um, and of course, they're now adding little triangles. And these little triangles talk about whether there's a text deletion or figure or table revision. It's going to put the little little triangle. Uh, Again, deleted sections are still going to be the same little dot. New information is going to be the end that's highlighted out. Uh, Remember, they're not going to highlight the entire paragraph of the section if it's new, just an end in the front of it. Uh, That way you can distinguish what might be new from previous editions versus what is new in the book this cycle. And so the little end shaded to the left column of it kind of tells you that if it's next to the section head then it tells you that that whole section is new and you don't have to highlight the whole thing okay all right so we kind of go through the uh the 230 again many of you probably don't have your edition yet so you know you're just going to kind of listen along and i'll I'll point out things that changed okay one of the first things that I'll, i'll point out was kind of a oversight by me um I'm the one that uh, submitted the change in expanded use of tray cable in 230. So in 230.43 and 230.44, you see that TCER has now been expanded to be used as service entrance conductors. And it makes sense because it's literally the same type of conductors that you'd see inside of MC. And tray cable also has to meet the same crushing impact rating of a PVC jacketed type of MC. So it makes sense to go there. But what I didn't do is I didn't submit it for... 230.30B as an item 11. So you can see that that's kind of one of those things where for the 2023, I need to submit it because it allows the use of MC cable here that's identified for direct burial. With tray cable, TCER is also identified for direct burial and it meets all the other requirements. So it logically should go here as well uh, for use in an underground service conductor application But I didn't submit it, and so that's a great example is people think that everybody gets everything into the code and that we sit at a panel and you can make changes. Nobody caught that because they're so focused on making changes that when we added tray cable to 230.43 and 230.44, that nothing really triggered that we needed to add it to 230.30B as the wiring methods, uh, which logically makes sense for it to have a number 11 here. So obviously, you know what a a public input by me is going to be, and I encourage all of you to submit for the 2023. It's going to be 230.30B11, which is going to be TCER. Uh, Because, again, we're allowing it now for the wiring methods, uh, for service instance conductors. It is rated for direct burial. It's really no different than PVC jacketed MC for, for the most part. So, obviously, it's just an oversight, and that's what happens, and it is what it is, okay? All right, so it will be corrected, obviously. But that's um, you know kind of the things that I look for when I go through the code. I'm I'm not necessarily going through here to teach all the time. Uh, I'm going through to look and see what might be missing or what we might have missed, and and you know our job is to remember that there's no way we can catch it all, right? No way. So we make an attempt to try to try to catch these things and, and, and fix them later on. Okay. Uh, other thing I noticed that through 230, even in the 2020 code, we're still trying to to mop up a little bit when it comes to missing things. Like for example, we, we started raising up the voltages to a thousand volts, so we had a thousand volts or less and over a thousand volt. And there's a couple that we kind of left out that, you know, kind of picking up here in the you know, in the um, the 2020 edition, a great example. Uh, would be, I guess it's 230.24b, vertical clearance for overhead service conductors. It used to say overhead service conductors were not in excess of a 600 volts. Of course, we're doing everything up to 1,000 now because we don't want to get rid of that little gap window uh, between 600 and 1,000, so that needed to be changed in the 2020 code to 1,000. So you got some of those little uh, things that, that, that get bought into the fray and that get picked up in these different code cycles so that we can kind of harmonize it and everything uh, in the code runs even and, and we pick up those little things. So that's one of the things. Now, the other one that we guess we look at here, there's some subtle stuff like, for example, 230.28 in strength. Uh, I guess previously when we talked about strength, it says the mast shall be adequate strength uh what does it say shall be sorry about that adequate strength or be supported by braces or guys to withstand safety well people didn't know what guys was what does that mean a bunch of guys standing on a roof to hold it up no it's supposed to be guy wires so added the guy wires in there just added the wires in there to kind of be a little clearer you know so um, most of us probably knew what it was and didn't question it and that type of thing but again uh, just any time we go through, we always look at something. It's easy to play Monday morning quarterback when you get the code book. Uh, and anybody that's not on code panels will read this and go, how in the world did they miss that? I mean, people make a living doing that. How in the world did you miss that? It happens, you know. And uh, whether you like it or not, every three years we're going to do this again, okay? <laughs> it's just the way it is. It's, it hasn't changed. It's uh, It's been that way all the way back to, what, 1897? Uh, and of course, in there a couple years, it was a one year, a three year, or even more. So it kind of jumped around. But now it's a three year cycle. So even with the effort of some people trying to change that, it's, it is what it is. You're not going to change an FPA when it comes to that. So, all right. So that was the, you know, that was some of the changes for that. So the guy wire than that. Um, 230.31. Um, in the previous code, in 230.31, it basically said size and rating. But we're really talking about size and impacity because that's what we're talking about. Minimum size conductors, things like that. So it's so it's changed to size and impacity, not a critical change, but a change nonetheless uh, that took place uh, for the 2020 NEC. Okay, so then that brings us to, and again, we're just gonna go over the ones that the blurring changes as we move through it. 230.43, again, the wiring methods for 1,000 volts nominal or less. Uh, you'll notice that they have added a new item 20, and that is TCER cable. So TCER cable, the conductors inside of it, I'm telling you, are exactly the same as an SCR, SEU, uh, exactly the same as in MC. It can be THHN, THWN-2, or XHHW-2, uh, all those types of things. So I mean, it's the same type of conductor, and to be honest with you, the actual sheathing on it is twice the thickness or even more. Most times it's like 60 or 80 mils thick, whereas normal SC cable is 30. So if SC cable was okay in this application, just typical service entrance cable, then why wouldn't TC cable be acceptable in this application, right? So logically I I submitted it and it made it into these tables. Again, I sure wish I had a caught uh, 230.30B, but it is what it is. Okay, I'll I'll have to sit with that until 2023. But, so we have TCER as both added. And then of course in the cable tray applications, Uh, this is also TCER was uh, added to the list here so item six so in 230.43 TCER has been added now you're still limited in your uses with tray cable okay nothing changed here uh, in a sense that it can be in a raceway a cable tray on a messenger or direct bury Uh, nothing expanded in tray cables uh, enough in the code in order to change those applications however However, if you are going to the Nika show in Las Vegas that's coming up here this week, um, stop by the Encore Wire booth. I will be there doing some classes. They are limited. Only 10 people per class. There's so six classes over the three days. Uh, it's very limited. Um, and uh, we're going to talk about five of the top 2020 changes uh, one of the classes is a challenge where the winner will receive a Encore Wired Embossed Leatherman tool, uh, and uh, you only multi-tool. And you only get there's only going to be two of those. There's two classes for that, and it's ten contestants. And whoever wins wins that tool. Um, if you're flying, we'll send it to you. You don't have to take it on an airplane. No biggie deal. And then one class is going to cover all of our products you know, in an overview, kind of like a drinking from the water fountain overview of our products and how they're used. And in that, I'm going to introduce one of our brand new, I'm actually the inventor of it. Uh, my name is, is on the patent pending, and, and that is a new hybrid cable that is going to, I think, answer all those questions that people ever had about whether or not SC cable can go in the ground, whether or not tray cable can go in a building, all of those things, it's going to answer those issues. So uh, that's the product that we're going to have at the show. Stop by our booth and, and uh, check us out. Uh, if you are in town and you come by, I'd love to see you. Love to shake your hand uh, and uh, come by the booth. And I'll be wandering around the show as well. Got to visit some other people uh, as well. But um, while I'm there, stop by, hook up, and uh, let's uh, grab lunch or, or anything. Uh, I'm going to be at the show from Sunday until Tuesday. So I look forward to seeing you if you're there. All right, yeah, bring your code. If you want to bring your code questions, bring it on. Let's do it. All right, so that's what's new. TCER is now going to be used, whether it's uh, for service entrance conductors, whether or not it's in a cable tray, or just used generally as a wiring method uh, for their applications for service entrance conductors. There you go. so that's the that's the big change for that. The next one is 230.46, spliced and tapped conductors. All right, so previously it just said spliced conductors, okay? But then it made reference inside of the code language to spliced or tapped. So obviously that made sense to do that. Now, if I'm looking at the significant change, um, it's telling me service engine conductors shall be permitted to be spliced or tapped in accordance with 110.14. So we have this general rules there, 300.5e, 300.13 and 300.15. Okay, well, those didn't change for the 2020 code. and But what did change is the new verbiage that accompanies this when dealing with these splices. So now it says splice and tap conductors, but here's the new verbiage. It's, and again, all the others stay the same. It says, power distribution blocks, pressure connectors, and devices for splices and taps shall be listed. Okay, they shall be listed. I kind of thought most all of them were, but I guess that really means you can't just make something up to do this. They've got to be listed. Now it says, power distribution blocks installed on service conductors shall be marked suitable for use on the line side of the service equipment or something to equivalent of that. Um, if I'm a manufacturer, I'm probably going to follow as close as I can to that because that's the way it states in the code. But again... You could do an equivalent phrase. Uh, And when is this effective? Effective January 1st, 2023. Pressure connectors and devices for splicing and taps installed on service conductors shall be marked suitable for use on the line side of the service equipment or equivalent. Ah, so power distribution box. But what's what's the key here is, is January 1st, 2023. You have this date in the future. We've done this a couple times. We did this with AFCIs at one time. Um, we've done this with uh, switch applications where you can uh, replace this switch, where you're going to have a grounded conductor at all switch locations, except where you're permitted to not need a grounded conductor. Um, but here you've got another one. It's kind of like that sunset date that says, you know what? As Jan- effective January 1st, 2023, all pressure connectors and devices for splicing taps installed um, on service conductors shall be marked suitable for use as line side of service equipment or equipment. Now I think the manufacturers can pretty much take care of that for you so you don't have to stress that out. But importance of that is it didn't really say that as much in the same area in the 2020, uh, 2017, and now that new language is actually in the 2020 code. Now, of course, you went back to 110.14 for connectors and and, and terminations and, and all that type of stuff. So you were given some other locations to, to go to, but now it's it's in 230.46 specifically dealing uh, with these pressure connectors and devices for splices and taps for service conductors directly. Okay. All right, so the next thing that we, we kind of look through, I'm just kind of looking and see that we have a lot of new uh, things that have added into code that weren't here previously. And whether they were relocated from other areas of the code or they were literally brand new, okay? Now, in the 2017 code, we, we had this, this next provision. Again, the, the, the provision that I'm going to talk about is dealing with barriers, and so... In the 2020 code, it's 230.62C, which says barriers, and that is new for 230. It was kind of alluded to in 408.3a2, uh, where it says service panel boards, switchboards, and switch gear. Barriers shall be placed on all service panel boards, switchboards, and switch gears, such that no uninsulated, ungrounded service equipment, uh, or service bus bars, or service terminals is exposed to inadvertent contact by persons. And, or maintenance equipment while servicing the load. Okay, so that was there in the 2017 code. However, it's been relocated now into 230.62C. So if you go looking for it and you see it already, the manufacturers already make the, the little covers that are that are on the actual terminals for the service conductors when they come in, things like that. So they're already insulated and they have a little cover. Some manufacturers, they're yellow, bright yellow, uh, some of those other color. Um, some of them they have like with some of the transfer switches they might have that are marked for service they might be like an orange color or red that covers the terminals once you make the terminal you can't easily just touch a energized terminal okay everything else is insulated coming in but not the terminal so um at any rate that was in the 2017 code and and the manufacturers already kind of kind of took care of that um but in the 2020 code it has been relocated okay So you're going to have it in there. Of course, in the 17 code, there was an exception in there, and that allowed for the exception when you had uh, more than one service disconnect in a single enclosure, and that was eluded to 408.36, exception 1, 2, and 3, that type of thing. Uh, That's been deleted, obviously, because if you haven't heard already, or we'll talk about it, the allowance to have the six service disconnects in a single enclosure is no longer allowed in the 2020 code okay so that's gone so there's no need for the exception there obviously uh, so uh, you can still have the six disconnects you can still have it in separate enclosures or you can have it in switch gear with separate uh, partitioned enclosures or, or things like that but you just can't even have them in like we're all used to seeing in you know, a single large enclosure with maybe the six Uh, 150 or 200 amp disconnects right there and that's your six disconnect rule and you know we constantly see that and then maybe one of the six feeds another panel downstream Uh, that's been a real common installation in the uh in its uh in industrial and commercial well that disappears it's not permitted anymore in the 2020 code of course we'll we'll probably get to that shortly anyway so so barriers is not new but it was relocated okay so it's been relocated there uh, the next one is 230.66 markings, okay? And, and so this was now broken up instead of one long paragraph. It was now broken up into two. So there's an A and a B. A is your general, and that is, again, service equipment uh, rated 1,000 volts or less shall be marked and identified it as being suitable for use as service equipment. Obviously key for that if it's going to be used as service equipment. And it says all service equipment shall be listed or field of uh, or field evaluated okay so you might have to have something that gets field evaluated then they will mark it, and or you can get something that's complete assembly that's listed from the manufacturer allowing both of those applications the field labeled was added in the 2017 code we're carrying that over in the 2020 code the only difference is there was language in there about meter socket enclosures and they aren't service equipment Uh, and it made statements about it that were new in the 2017 code but now they just broke it up so you can separate so we've got service equipment or the general applications for service equipment and then we've got meter sockets which are not service equipment you don't treat it as a service um, but it still has to be able to have a specific listing and it's listed and rated for the voltage and current rating of the service Okay. 200 amp service. The enclosure's got to be ready for 200 amp service. You know that type of thing. Um, so that just broken down into into two different ones. Now, what is new for the 20, uh, 2020 code is there's a new 20, 230.67. So in 230.67 is dealing with surge protection. Okay, so that is new. And you've heard me talk about this in another podcast and and, and probably in a in a video that I've done that now you have surge protection requirements and here's what it says there's an a there's a b there's a c and there's a d and all this is new okay Uh, it's not new material in a sense that we didn't have different areas in the code that dealt with surge protected devices because we obviously did but they're new to being here under services and how they're being applied so a says the surge protected device it says all services supplying dwelling units shall be provided with a surge protective device. Okay? So, all services supplying dwelling units shall be provided with a surge protective device, and SPD. The location. So, where is this going to go? It says the SPD shall be an integral part of the service equipment. And a lot of them do. A lot of the manufacturers now actually have space in it and they actually put a surge protective device in it. Uh, when I was doing the training for Eaton, uh, years ago, when I was traveling around the country for their ECCN program, I was the, I was the one doing that education for them in, in, in their newly found program. And we promoted being ready for SPRO, uh, I shouldn't say SPDs, I call them Search Protective Operative Dice, but anyway, it's SPDs, Search Protective devices. Um, that those would be ready in certain types of uh, panel enclosures Where they had a separate area for this to mount right in it so you didn't have to install it right away uh, but you could upsell your customer or you could come back and it was ready to add at a later date now they make them today that can plug in on the bus bar uh, and anything like that but this code is just saying that they shall be integral part of the service equipment or shall be located immediately adjacent there too okay and then we won't argue over with the term immediately adjacent there too, but I'm saying it's right beside it and, well, uh, immediately adjacent. So if there's room to put it right beside it, but you choose to put it 10 feet away, to me that's not immediately adjacent too. That, that's that's beside it, but further down, immediately adjacent to to me is if you've got adequate space to mount it right beside it, you mount it right beside it. Okay, That's the concept that I, that's the golden rule that I use. You can interpret how you want, but that's how I do it. Again, I'm not going to play your AHJ. We'll let them do what they want. Uh, There's an exception here that says the SBD shall not be required to be located in the service equipment as required in B, okay, if located at each next level distribution equipment downstream toward the load. Okay, so this exception to that general rule I just said allows me to put it downstream to the remote distribution panel, and I can do it there, okay? Again, it's talking about the next level. So the next one down, not three down. The absolute next one down would allow you to do that. Okay. Uh, the next is, well, what type are we talking about? Because there's different types of SPDs. There's type 1, type 2, type 3, type 4. Actually, there is a type 5. So what are we talking about? We're talking about type 1 and type 2. Those are the types we're talking about that have to be on dwelling unit services at this point moving forward in the 2020 code. Of course, if, if you're like me, you always say, well, that's great, Paul, but what are type 1, type 2, type 3, type 4? Uh, and those are the main ones that code deals with. Um, how do I know what those are? Well, you can go to definitions, and obviously definitions has Search Protective Device SPD, and underneath that it'll list and tell you that type 1 is a permanently connected SPD intended for installations between the secondary of the service transformer, okay? So that's on a pole. That'd be from the secondary part down to the service drop down, and to the line side of the service disconnect over overcurrent device. So I can put it anywhere in there. Okay. Uh, and then the next type, type two, is a permanently connected SPD intended for installation on the load side of a server disconnect overcurrent device, including SPDs located at the branch panel. So that talks about it, and you can still use type two at the branch panel because then that kind of correlates. Everything that we're talking about in, in the types in the uh, location that comes to 230.67b, where it gives that exception, it's saying I'll let you do it at the next level down, okay? So that is the next the next level down, okay? And that's the, gonna be down to the next branch panel, where you're gonna have all your uh, branch overcurrent devices and it's gonna go out to all your devices and things like that, if that's your layout scheme, okay? So we have those, so those are the two types that are permitted for this application. One or the other, but that's moving forward. that's what you're what you're gonna deal with. Uh, the next one is replacement. Now this one here is interesting because we always tell you that the NEC is not a retroactive code, even though you replace receptacles in locations that require Gfci or require afCI you've gotta you know except if it's not more than six feet and you're not moving it and you're not adding a new branch to it or you're not extending it, then you've got some allowances there. but in general, um, there's some some of those avenues where you've got to. Uh, replace something, and you've got to bring it up to code, if you will. Um, Very rare in the NEC, because it's not an installation manual, but it does start to dabble in some things like this. Uh, And here's one where it talks about replacement. So it says, where service equipment is replaced, for whatever reason, whether it's a like-for-like, whether it's an upgrade from 100 to 200, whatever it is, where the service equipment is replaced, all the requirements of this section shall apply. And when we say this section, we're saying section 230.67 dealing with surge protection okay so get used to it get familiar with them many companies have been offering them as an ancillary product for many years if you're in a lightning prone area hey um it's uh, one of those things to do um i actually have one and i took it off in order to be able to do a video to show you how to put it on. So, so, because I wanted to do one of those how-to videos. So, uh, look for that to come out soon. I haven't had time to edit it, but it'll it'll come out soon. Um, But kind of show you how you do them, some of the tips and tricks, and talk about the different types of SPDs and things like that in that video, Uh, just to get you ready, because it's it's coming. Now, there was other areas in the code that required search-protected devices now, but now we're seeing just another expansion of search-protected device protection, that's a requirement, and again, it's gonna be required here uh, for dwelling unit applications, all right? The next thing we'll look at is, we're gonna dabble into uh, the next one, and that is part six, and that is service equipment, the disconnection means, no, 230.70. It's funny, because in the 2017 code, and prior to that, it said, and I'll read it. It says, Means shall be provided to disconnect all conductors in a building or other structure from the service entrance conductors. it has been pretty difficult. Even though we never really gave this much thought. Uh, if you've got a grounded conductor coming in, you're not... Generally, the disconnect doesn't disconnect that. It's solid. It mounts to a bus and you've got the at the panel. You've got the feeder going down. you got the service entrance coming in. I mean, be honest with you, it doesn't disconnect those. And those, it says here, disconnect all conductors. So what they did is it says actually clarification is in 230.70 again means shall be provided to disconnect all ungrounded conductors in a building or other structure from the service conductors as you can see that could have created a an issue uh where somebody could cause a problem uh but most people didn't give that much thought and didn't give it any real uh any argument on that but i think we knew what they're talking about but i'm glad that they were able to pick that up, and, and, and make the change to that. All right, next thing we're looking at is 230.71. All right, the, what changed here, and we'll, we'll talk about it, because this is the significant, and I kind of alluded it to earlier, uh, but previously, it was just, a, there was an A and a B, but it was general, general statement, and then, of course, there was single pole units, uh, and so <sighs> The concept here was to try to break it down, and of course, they made a change here uh, that is going to be significant when it comes to, I know it's significant to a lot of the graphics that we draw up in the six disconnect rules and and things like that. So let's kind of, so it's a maximum number of disconnects. So we look at the the new charging statement that was, was added here before it broke it down into an A and a B, kind of giving you some direction. It says, each service shall have only one disconnecting means unless the requirements of 230.71B are met. Okay, so one disconnection means. We do have some allowances in B here of section 71, but that is the general statement. Now, it goes into general and says A. It says, for the purpose of this section, disconnection means installed as part of the listed equipment and used solely for the following shall not be considered a service disconnecting means. Okay, okay. So that's important because you're not counting them in the number, because they're not being treated as a service disconnecting means. Number one, uh, and, and I believe none of this changed, power monitoring, surge protective devices, control circuits for ground fault protective systems, and power operable service disconnecting means. They don't count uh, as the number of six. Now, when you get to the next one, it says, okay, well, that's for one, and that's your single one, and we know how to deal with it, and we know what's not also considered service. So I've got one service disconnect, and I have a surge protective device disconnection means. I don't have to count that as two service disconnects because the surge protective device is not considered a service it means. I mean, we get that. We're good. Now, what about when we have the two to six service disconnecting means. And we're all familiar with that six disconnect rule and and blah, blah. So in this case, it's been broken down into a B and it took all of the values that were previously in 230.71A, which is just a general statement, and broke them down. The one significant thing to really, really, really point out in this, this whole equation is it used to say allow the six switches or six sets of service records mounted in a single enclosure, that is no longer there. So I'm going to read this to you in the entirety so you can take the scope of it. Just remember that the, the enclosure is a single enclosure where all the guts go on the inside of it. There's no uh, separation by vertical sections or, or anything like that. Or in Switchgear, you have different uh, compartments. It's not what we're talking about here. It's one big enclosure with the, with six switches in there. You've seen it. We've used it on illustrations for years. So it says... Two to six service disconnects shall be permitted uh, for each service permitted by 230.2 or for each set of service entrance conductors permitted by 230.40, exception number one, three, four, or 5. It says the two to six service disconnects means shall be permitted to consist of a combination of any of the following. Now again, you notice the word within a single enclosure is gone. So the first one says, okay, well, I can do what many of us done, and we do this also in many illustrations. I can have separate enclosures with a main service disconnect means in each enclosure. Okay, so I've got six of them located right beside each other underneath a wireway or whatnot. That that didn't change. That's perfectly fine. The next one says I can a panel board with a main service disconnection means in each panel board enclosure. Okay, so I can actually have, instead of just being a service disconnect, it's a panel board with the main service disconnect in it. So I could have six panels there, uh, right there in the same location and grouped up there. So I mean, okay, done there. We, we get it, we've done that before. Um, the next one says switchboards where there is only one service disconnect uh, in each separate vertical section where there are barriers separating each vertical section. So basically, it's one big case, but they are designed with barriers that separate the different vertical sections, and as long as I only have one service disconnect in each one of those sections, uh, then I'm good to go. I can do that, that's not a problem. I can have up to six. And the next is, it says service disconnects in switchgear or meter centers. where each disconnect is located in a separate compartment so they're designed that way kind of like think of 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 running vertical and horizontal uh barriers and in each one of these you have your service disconnection means and they're each separated by their own compartment and that's accepted and that's been accepted uh for a while okay so uh, and there's some informational notes here that if for example you were confused on what it was talking about the separate enclosures and things like that it will talk about it'll give some references to things like motor control centers as an example uh so um, the, so essentially what we're doing here is just getting rid of the ability to have six breakers in one enclosure and that meet my six disconnect rule okay it's not limiting the number if i have a main breaker i can still have a number of branch circuit overcurrent devices in there, I mean, or, or other feeders breakers. But that's not what it's talking about. It's simply talking about the ability to have the service disconnect in this two to six service disconnect rule. That they have to actually be in separate enclosures or in separate vertical um, uh, vertical sections uh, for switchboards and things like that, or separate compartments when we're dealing with switch gear or meter. Uh, centers and things like that, okay? So that's what this is dealing with. So that's a, a pretty significant change. Uh, at least it op- obsoletes a a product that people have been making for years, okay, and used in that application, okay? All right, so that's the uh, changes to 230.71 A and B. It's how we broke that down. Now, in the 2017 code, um, there was this provision in 230.75 that states that the disconnection of the grounded conductor and it said where the service disconnection does not disconnect the grounded conductor and and most do not uh, from the premise wiring other means shall be provided for this purpose in the service equipment okay a terminal or a bus to which all grounded conductors can be attached by means of pressure connectors shall be permitted for this purpose and that's generally what we do that's generally the bus that we see inside of the Panel boards, and I mean, we get that's generally what we've done, and that meets this provision. However, there was a section here that also says that if you had a multi-section switchboard and switchgear, disconnection of the grounded conductor shall be permitted to be in any section of the switchboard or switchgear, and it had a caveat. It said if the switchboard or switchgear section is marked to indicate a grounded conductor disconnection is located within. Well, in the twenty twenty code, that portion at the end there it's got removed. It just says now it says in a multi-section switchboard or switchgear disconnecting for the grounded conductor shall be permitted to be in any section of the switchboard or switchgear. Okay. Nothing about the marking, anything like that. So uh, kind of stuff what we always did. But it clarified it got rid of that last kind of marking or labeling or, or requirement that was in there to indicate anything. It's not necessary. Now there's an informational note that was added that says a switchgear or a multi-section switchboard and the disconnecting means provided for the grounded conductor is typically identified as a neutral disconnection link and you've seen that in some of those images that we've used in code change it's just a big link and it has a label on it and it says and is typically located in the bus to which the service grounded conductor is connected yes that typically is where it's at and it'll be marked uh, so kind of the other marking really wasn't necessary uh, because the manufacturers did mark this in the equipment anyway. So anyway, so you have an informational note. It kind of gives you the guidance. And to be honest with you, it kind of takes what was already in the code language and puts it in informational notes saying just just know that this is how it's going to be. And that's what I love about informational notes uh, and the intent of what they're all about. Okay. All right, so the next thing that looks like we get into a change is in 230.82. Now, the first one, it looks like a change is, is number three, dealing with meter disconnects. Uh, interesting. It, and in the 2017 code, it said meter disconnect switches normally rated not to exceed exceed excess of 1,000 volts that have short-circuit current ratings equal to or greater than the available short-circuit current. Well, in the 2020 code, I think they meant to say the short-circuit current rating It's got to be equal to or greater than the available fault current because we always get these fault current calculations from the utilities based on the impedance of the transformer, the length of the conductors, and we have a little app on our phone. We can calculate this out and give it to somebody. Um, But here the change was they did change that and said that the 1,000 volts, uh, well, I'll read the whole thing, meter disconnect switches uh, normally rated not not in excess of 1,000 volts that have a short circuit current rating, so that's on the equipment, uh, equal to or greater than the available fault current, okay, because that's typically what we ask for, so kind of two statements in the 17 code, you know, the short circuit current generally deals with the equipment, available fault current is what's available, let's do a calculation, so anyway, kind of cleared that one up, just to, you know, clarify what they're, what they're meaning there. So, I think we all never had too much of an issue over that, but it just clarified it for us all. The next one is kind of getting rid of a term I and mean, we use tap a lot. And many people argued that tap was the wrong word to use. It's got its place. We we know we're doing secondary conductor and uh, feeder taps and we we understand how we're utilizing these things and we kind of can get Sometimes in the in the in the tap rules, uh, we can understand that secondaries of a transformer are referred to many times as taps, but there's secondary conductor rules and and taps. But tap conductor, we didn't define it, but we know it's a conductor. So in the 2020 code under 230.82 item five, it says it used to say tap. Okay, so there it used to say. Um, Taps used only to supply load management. And now it says conductors used to supply load management. Subtle change, but that's what we're talking about. We're talking about conductors, okay? Uh, So just kind of one of those little changes to be aware of. I I don't think it's earth-shattering for any of us, but, you know, it it is making some clarity. Okay, the next one, it looks like it's pretty significant, and I would say it had quite a bit of input from other code sections, is 230.82. Item six, and this is dealing with the disconnect. And all of this is talking about equipment on the supply side of a service disconnect. You you with me? So we're not replacing the, the service disconnect in this statement here. What we're saying is, I'll read you what it said in the 2017 so you can see the changes that took place in it. It used to say, now this is for photovoltaic and fuel cell and all that. It says solar photovoltaic systems, fuel cell systems, wind electric systems... Uh, energy storage systems or interconnected electrical power production sources are permitted. Again, I'm just telling you what it is. That's it. That's what the code said, are permitted as equipment connected on the supply side of a service disconnect, right? So in the 2020 code for clarity, that language didn't change. It, It says, comma, after that, it says, if provided with a disconnecting means listed as suitable for use as service equipment and overcurrent protection as specified, okay, as specified, again, in Part 7 of Article 230. Of course, we haven't looked at Part 7 yet. It starts at 230.90, okay? So, again, you're still allowed to have these uh, as long as they're provided with a disconnection means and it's listed as suitable for use as service equipment. Okay. So it's got to have that ability to market as such that it's suitable for use as service equipment. And it has to have overcurrent protection as specified in part 7 of article 230. Okay. So if you've got all that, now we can allow you to have that equipment connected on the supply side of the service disconnection means. Now again, these disconnects these these disconnection means are for this equipment here that we're talking about you know, PV, fuel cell systems, whatever. Uh, but again, it's on the supply side of a service disconnect, okay? So uh, you've got to meet these rules, and so that is a change for the 2020 code. And I think that most of the disconnection means are going to be utilized for these applications are probably already going to be marked suitable for use as service equipment, okay? Again, it's not for service equipment. It's not the application to change the service Okay, this is for equipment connected on the supply side of the service uh, service disconnect. Okay, okay, so doesn't change all of your rules that you have for the service disconnection means and in, in, in all that that we have to do with the grinding electroconductors and all that. Okay, doesn't change that. That's all intact. This is equipment that can be on the supply side of the service disconnect. Now this takes us into two changes. Uh, I believe there are two total changes, yes, that, that come into play due to something that we do, that we are we going to do, and I'm talking about it in a minute, but we had to have a change in here because this is something that could be on the supply side of a service disconnect, and so we had to have the provision here. Now, the very number 10, which is added, so there's two new items, 10 and 11, that's added to 230.82. Now, number 10, it says emergency disconnects in accordance with 230.85, And we're going to read that in a minute. If all metal housings and service enclosures are grounded in accordance with Part 7 and bonded in accordance with Part 5 of Article 250. Okay, so our bonding, everything takes place. You also have to remember that... Um, it is still got service conductors potentially where you're tapping or are tapping where you're making this connection on the supply side. So it's critical that you know all the aspects uh, of the bonding requirements uh, and how you're doing that. It's critical that you that you fully understand that because part five is where we get into the service type of, of bonding, right? Two fifty ninety two, two fifty ninety, all of that because again, usually there isn't any overcurrent device on the supply side all the way back to the transformer. So you have this insured type of bonding you have to do. Okay, so just it's just reminding you of that if you make this type. So there are going to be the, the emergency disconnects that are permitted on a on the supply side of the service disconnection means. Okay. Now that doesn't mean that that, that emergency disconnect might also end up being our service disconnect and we'll talk about that here in a second. But this is just allowing you to be able to place that emergency disconnect uh, at its location, and we'll give you those here in a second, okay? Now, and, and of course, just remind you to, to bond it just like you would a service in a sense of, of the raceways that contains service conductors, the enclosure that contains potentially service conductors and, and all of this type of thing. Just just reminding you to meet all those rules, okay? All right, so the neck, and, and also it'll have to be you know, suitable for use as service equipment. So you just have to make sure that you're going to follow all of those rules. Uh, The next one is 11, which is meter-mounted transfer switch. So if it's a meter-mounted transfer switch, nominally rated, not in excess of 1,000 volts, and have a short-circuit current rating equal to or greater than available fault uh, current, ground fault current, uh, excuse me, available fault current. Boy, I'm getting ahead of myself. A meter-mounted transfer switch and they make those, it mounts right on the socket, shall be listed and capable of transferring the load served. A meter-mounted transfer switch shall be marked on its exterior with both the following. Number one, it should say meter-mounted transfer switch, and two, it should say not service equipment, okay? Now, the ones that I've seen that go on the meter like this, that usually gets something you have to do with the utility. Okay, the ones who provide your meters and everything like that. It's not something... At least I'm not familiar with anything that an electrician can go do because it's a meter. It goes in a meter. Usually they put a seal on it. You're not supposed to cut that seal, um, that type of thing. But again, I could be wrong on that. I've never seen any electrician mount one of these. But I have seen the ones as utilities who put it on there that'll go to a generator. And it's it's a kind of a meter-mounted transfer switch. Okay, and I think you rent them or something from the utility. All right, the next one is 230.85. Now, this is a brand new one, and you probably heard me talk about it, okay? This is the emergency disconnect requirement, okay? So, 230.85 says, and it's all new. Now, this only applies. Now, that's what stands apart in this one, is this one only applies to one and two family dwellings. It says, one and two family dwellings units, all service conductors shall terminate in disconnection means having a short-circuit current rating equal to or greater than the available fault current, okay, goes without saying, installed in a readily accessible outdoor location. Okay, so we have to have a service disconnect. And we still got our rules in 230.70A, which, you know, inside or outside, nearest point of entry, blah, blah, blah. But this is saying we need an emergency disconnect. Now, you could meet both 230... 230.70A1 rules, and you could meet this all based on some options here, okay? But we're talking about one and two family dwellings. Now, I have some great graphics that are up on, um, I believe it's on my LinkedIn page or my and our Facebook. If you're not a member of our Facebook page, it's Master the NEC. Just go search for it. If you're trying to study for an exam, go to our Master the NEC exam prep form. Uh, apply to, be, to, to allow you in. Answer the question because if you don't answer the question, I'm going to delete you. You've got to answer the question. I, we don't want people in there who have 30 years of electrical experience. I know you add stuff to the table. I know you can bring stuff to the table. I don't need that brought to the table. This is an exam prep we're teaching people in there on how to identify and how to pass an exam. We're not here to broaden their knowledge of obscure areas of the code or pound our chest because we know more code than somebody else. This is an area that is devoted to helping people pass exams. That's it. You can, They can ask their questions. They can get answers. They can weed through the BS. Yes, we edit posts. I edit mine to make sure for clarity. If you don't like it, that's not the forum to be in. My only function in that forum is to help you pass the exam. And we have helped thousands of people pass the exam. So um, you want to go to a forum where you can pound your chest and you want to, there's plenty of other electrical code forums out there. You can go to them and have at it. Okay. You can get lost in the crowd if you want. Not what this forum is all about. It's devoted to helping people pass their electrical exam. And that's it. In fact, I ask people, once you get your license, leave the group because... You take up space for the next person because I don't allow more than a thousand people in this group. That's it. And we're right there at the bubble. So anyway, it's not one of those. If you want to just chat about code, then go to the regular Master of the NEC one. We, we can do that there all day long. But save this forum for exam prep only. All right, so let me read on. Okay, it says, a readily Accessible Location Outdoors. Now, it says, If more than one disconnect is provided, they shall be grouped. Each disconnect shall be one of the following okay so number one it says service disconnects marked as follows so if it's service disconnect mark it's got to say emergency disconnect service disconnect now if it's the emergency disconnect is the actual meter disconnect allowed by 230.823 which we just read about then it has to be marked on it it's got to say emergency disconnect meter disconnect and not service equipment so that has to be marked on there now if it's one of the other ones that you can have uh, other listed uh, disc other listed disconnect switches or circuit breakers on the supply side each service disconnect uh, that are suitable for use as service equipment okay so they have to be suitable for use as service equipment as you kind of saw earlier uh, some of the statements here like for example the uh, number six we read in 230.82 for photovoltaics, fuel cell, all that kind of stuff. I mean, same motif is going here. Is that it's got to be for the listed disconnect switch or circuit breaker on the supply side of a service disconnect that are suitable for use as service equipment and marked as the following. So this marking, it's going to have to say emergency disconnect. Obviously, it's not a service disconnect. It's just emergency disconnect, and it's got to say not service equipment. okay, And of course, all these markings have to also comply with 110.21B. But at the end of the day, this is the markings. This is what you have to put on it in order to add this emergency disconnect. Of course, you see that little line in there about the grouping. So this is the same concept. So we have to group and how you group. You got the the allowance for the two to six and then you get in your grouping rules. Same here. If I'm coming to the building here and I'm going to have multiple service disconnects, then they want them to be grouped in in the same location type of thing, okay? All right, so that covers that change in 230.85, again, requiring that emergency disconnect. Uh, Incidentally, I will tell you there, the the term allowable ampacity has been deleted from the NEC. Now, I did catch a few places that they accidentally left the term allowable in there, (laughs) <laughs> and, and you know what? That just gives us low-hanging fruit to submit to 2023. But for the most part, they caught all the places. And even in the tables in 310-16, which used to be 310-15B-16, that's the impacity, they, they, they cleaned it up because the uh, it's not an issue of allowable ampacity. The impacity is what it is. If it's adjustment and corrections, whatever that conductor's ampacity is after you do that is its impacity. Okay? So it's not so much allowable as it is what it is. Okay? So... Removing the term allowable is something that's, you know, been, you know, removed from the NEC, and of course, it's like anything, there'll be some lingering that that didn't get removed or something like that, that people will find it, and it'll be submitted to the next code cycle, and it'll all be cleared up in the wash, and so it'll all be taken care of. And that pretty much covers most of 230. The only last thing, I guess, it really is the 230.205 230.205 disconnection means, and of course we're dealing with service exceeding a thousand volts. Uh, is they were using the the term short circuit current again, which is attributed to equipment uh, improperly, and so they just change it to available fault current. Uh, so that that's really the only sig- real significant changes that I see in 230. Uh, that's anything to really be worried about uh, for the changes. So kind of, that's kind of your overview of the significant changes in 230. Hopefully you got something out of that. Nothing earth-shattering that I'm aware of. Um, I try to give you the 30,000-foot view of those changes uh, as you go through your code book and you kind of know those changes, but that's those are the ones that are critical. Um, so I want to also just shout out and say, I look forward, hopefully, to seeing, you know, this will be old and you'll have missed it because people listen to these podcasts and for years, but... Uh, As of today, it is uh, September 14th, 2019. Um, On the 15th, which is tomorrow, Sunday, I'm going to be at the NECA show that's in Las Vegas. Uh, I'm going to be at the Encore Wire booth, uh, and I will be doing six training classes there. They're only 15 minutes long, you know, because we got to rotate them out because they have this nice video that that talks about the history and culture of Encore um, that's pretty neat Um, because it's a a Texas-born... It's U.S. based. It's a one facility. It's 425 acres. Uh, it's not like any other wire and cable company out there. Uh, it's very unique. You can come to uh, and visit us and literally see from the birth of the copper cathode all the way to the finished product, and in one location. It's it's huge. It's massive. Uh, over two million square feet under roof. And I've taken plenty of people through it on tours, and they are just uh, mesmerized at how well it's done, how uh, systematically we approach the wire industry, the checks and balances that we have, all of the equipment. Uh, it's quite amazing. All state-of-the-art equipment. Uh, it's just uh, incredible. We have a new product uh, that we're looking uh, going to show it this it's actually been available from uh, we we haven't promoted it but for a couple years um and it's a product that i'm the inventor of or at least it's in a patent pending stage right now but i'm the one that came up with the the concept of the product and it is going to allow for a seamless transition between inside of dwellings inside of residents inside of any building where you can use typically an ser cable to outside in the ground to another building whereas normally sc cable can't run underground it's an above ground only product so this is kind of a a, a what we call the hybrid of two different wiring methods together in one uh, that's going to add the benefit of more robust sheathing but also the the normal conductors that we're all used to seeing it's just a, it's something worth seeing um and it might seem once you see it you're going to say why didn't I think of that um, but it's kind of like the 1,000-volt X. We were the first to ever come up with it when it comes to X in the United States. So uh, this is something else that's innovative from Encore, and uh, we're going to have samples of it at the show. So stop by our booth and ask me about it. Come and say you, you heard it on a podcast. So I hope to see you then. Until next time, folks, visit our website, masterthenec.com. We'd love to have you visit us and look at our uh, videos and things like that. Again, until next time, stay safe. God bless. Right.